I'm Todd Dills, and this is the Overdrive Radio Podcast for the week of Monday, October 16th. President Trump continues to be beset by a tweet storm of sorts by anti-ELD mandate partisans after his tax reform related speech last week, with nary a mention of protests around the nation against the ELD mandate. As ripple effects continue to emanate from some sense of camaraderie among many anti-mandate partisans that was a result of those efforts, I thought I'd take you back through some of my various conversations had during the brief time I spent in D.C. for days one and two of the ELD mandate protests a week and more back. The first of these, recorded the evening of October 2nd, took place down at the Doswell truck stop, where folks associated with the ELD or ME group had begun to gather. Chief among them, two group moderators whose respective trucks were parked up prominently at the edge of the lot along King's Dominion Boulevard there in Doswell, Virginia. I'm Rob Hallahan from La Crosse, Wisconsin. And with the Wisconsin native, another operator leased to U.S. Bulk Transport who, with Hallahan, had quite a story to tell about the preceding evening after they met at the tail end of a truck show in Perrysburg, Ohio and hauled toward D.C. Brian Bushnell from Richmond, Virginia. Uh, fighting the ELD mandate. Gonna be talking to politicians, and, and we're also gonna be protesting the way that the law says to protest, and um, gonna be meeting face to face with politicians to try and get this ELD mandate abolished, or at the very least pushed back two years. Okay. Uh, Brian, you were at a at a truck show in um, in Perrysburg, Ohio. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So this was the the first year for the truck show, um, uh, put on by uh, Life from the Passenger Seat, Melanie Walker, and, and um, um, call him Digger Scott Wagner. Okay. Um, it was all for benefit of Warriors for Children Motorcycle Club. And, and, and Rob, you you guys uh, went on from there and hit, hit the road come, coming yeah. out this way, right? Yeah, I was loaded. I loaded up in Wisconsin and I knew Brian was going to be down there at the show, so I figured, well, I'll just go that way. We'll meet up together and we'll run, we'll run over to Virginia together. Right. So. Yeah. Had you guys met in person before? Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. met in Ohio at another truck okay. show. Take pride yeah. truck show. And you guys, I should say, you guys are both moderators of the ELD or me group. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. So you, so you met up, and then, and then on the way here, how late was it uh, when when you came upon the accident? It was been about one o'clock in the morning, one okay. thirty in the morning. Yeah, it's been rough. We stopped at five thirty. That was about an hour before, yeah, about one o'clock or so. Well, so, we've seen the we've seen the guy's taillights, and when we were getting on, we heard somebody say, "Is he going the wrong way?" Okay. Well, we thought, you know, wrong way where, but we seen the car, and we're like, "Oh no, this guy's going the wrong way down the interstate." Okay. So we're trying to catch up to people, you know, trying to catch up to him right. and flashlights at people to tell them, you know, let let other truckers know, slow down, this guy's in your lane. Right. But it was too late. He went over the hill and hit somebody head on. And then what happened then? You guys pulled over as quick as you could. And... Oh, yeah, we pulled over right next to him. Okay. Um, yeah, and Brian ran over to the, the guy in the pickup truck, and I ran to the guy in the, in the rental van and yeah. make sure they were okay and called the cops, you know, right away. And... Right, right. What, and so the one the guy in the rental truck was okay. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he ended up being okay. He had the dash pushed into his knees, and um, uh, he, he ended up, standing there in the guardrail but he, he got checked out you know yeah. by the ambulance and whatnot but um the guy in the pickup truck he he was he was in pretty bad shape he, last we heard he was still in the icu um he uh he got med lifted out of there yeah, he got life yeah. lighted out med lift whatever whatever ohio calls it the helicopter came in landed in yeah. the middle of the highway and right. um they they tried to patch him up i guess the best they could in the ambulance and then they took him out by helicopter so right. he was he was pretty tore up 
Right. I mean, I know this, I hear stories like this a lot, but um, I know it doesn't exactly happen to everybody that they come upon something like that. But um, is that, is that, uh, is that the first time for something like that for you guys or no? I've had it happen several, several times. times. Yeah. Especially late at night because late at night we're the only ones on the road normally. Yeah. So we come across a lot of wrecks and crashes at night. Right. I've had a few of them happen right in front of my eyes. I've had yeah. a few of them that looked like they might have happened an hour ago, and I was the first person there. Right. I've seen wrecks like that before, but I've never seen one that bad. No, that, that was, was terrible. That was pretty bad. Yeah. Well, after Brian went over to the pickup truck, I looked at the pickup, and I didn't even want to go over there. I didn't want to see what the guy looked like. It, it was so terrible, yeah. the way you know the way the pickup was crumbled. So yeah. I was glad that Brian was able to go over there and look at that because I was just like, well, I'll take care of this guy over here. <laughs> was the driver, was he, was he conscious no. at all? No, uh, no. He had, he, had a, he had a pretty good gash along the side from where he had hit the okay. hit the, the rental truck and, and tore the door skin completely off. And I guess yeah. something had get, scraped his side and um, his steering wheel was bent from where he wasn't wearing a seatbelt and he just smashed right into the steering wheel. Oh, um, his shoulder bone was coming out of his back of his shoulder. So he was he was pretty bad shape. Oh, oh. I didn't know. Um, I had seen when I I cut the airbag, the side airbag off, and you know checked to make sure there was nobody else in the car with him. And uh, <coughs> excuse me, when when I when I first got in there, obviously there's a lot of smoke, so I couldn't smell anything other than the airbag, and you know all I seen was the smoke from the airbags. I mean it had just happened as soon as we right. stopped. So yeah. um, I, there was there was. I couldn't tell what was going on, but all I knew is I didn't want to move him in case he had broke his neck. Right. That's a heck of a way to start a week here, right, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> is that a bad omen or a good one? I don't know. Well, <laughs> hopefully a good omen that we were there to help. Right, yeah. 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 So that way, and that he I wasn't think, going our direction. Yeah. The wrong way. I'm going to I'm gonna take it that we, since we were there to help, we were obviously in the right spot at the right time yeah. to be able to help. So hopefully that's kind of like saying we're in the right spot at the right time right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, we yeah. see a lot of accidents. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think usually, if you look at the accidents on the road at nighttime, I bet you ninety percent of them the, the truck driver is the first person to see that accident, right? Or or, or to call nine one one and try and offer their assistance, right? And yeah. and the sad thing is there was cars, there was cars that were driving sixty miles an hour through the crumbled mess and didn't even slow down for the accident as we're standing there in the road trying to help these people. I remember one, when I, at one point I was trying to run over to you because there was nothing I could do for the guy in the pickup truck at the moment in time and I wanted to check on you and as I was walking along the side of the road, this four-wheeler just came by and was ran over top of all the crumbled mess and I remember just seeing something fly right in front of me. I was like, yeah, oh, I might want to wait and see what's coming behind me first. Yeah. Right. It's, they, they just, they weren't stopping at all. Yeah. Hey, it was dark outside, I give them that and all the lights yeah, were gone from both vehicles yeah, so they right. couldn't see anything they, either. They couldn't tell they were coming up on it, right? right. Next morning, I joined the crew from ELD or me headed into DC and along the way, looking for an optimal place to park near the Capitol building, where group members were planning to stage out in front of the House of Representatives Rayburn office building. I had this brief chat with owner-operator Riley Clay of Huntington, West Virginia. Clay had meetings set up with both West Virginia senators for the following day. That's uh, Shelley Moore Capito and okay. uh, Joe Manchin. Okay, okay. Um, and um, you know what, exa what exactly uh, did you do to initiate the meeting? I mean, did you go to them with this uh, uh, I sent, concerns I sent, about the ELD? Yeah, I sent them emails about my concerns with the ELD, my feelings, uh, what I thought was, you know, where they, I think they're unconstitutional. 
Okay. I think they're stripping us of more of our freedoms and rights. Right. Uh, my plan is I'm, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to appeal to them on their common sense sure. side of it and try to t explain to them how we feel right. as, as independent business owners. Right, right. And small businesses and tell them that, you know, the ATA does not represent the majority of the truck industry. Right. They only represent like 17%. And in my opinion, you know, that's not what that's, that's they not say they, they are the voice of the trucking right. industry. They're not. Right. Uh, the thing I'm saying is if you have, if you're forced, you cannot force a free society, right. free people to purchase a product and service from a third party and still call those people free. Right. There's no way you can do that. It's not freedom. That's not how it works. My litmus test theory is that, uh, you know, Sooner or later, it's just going to affect everybody in the United States. If they can do it with us, right. and a lot of the stuff that they do on the highway is born out of the trucking industry, as far as laws and stuff go. Okay. If you look at what they're doing in Oregon, where they're tracking people's miles and stuff. Yeah, the way mile tags, right. the right. yeah. Right. And that's for personal vehicles. Okay. Did they do that for uh, cars out there, too? They're doing it now, oh, or okay. they're trying to. Okay. So this is more or less a litmus test. How, how far can how far can they get away with tracking you, 24/7? I mean, if your car is parked, and I'm not saying, I'm saying what don't matter to me. If I got my truck parked outside of some good-looking girl's house, and she happens to be married, what right. business is it there? Right. Sure. If she's not married, what business is it there? Where my vehicle's parked? Right. If I take vacation while I'm in my truck and I use personal conveyance, say I'm in California, well, I decide I want to go see the Redwoods. Right. They're tracking me while I'm on vacation. While I'm taking my personal vacation, they're tracking me in my big right. truck. If I use my big truck out there. Right. It does assume that um, that somebody cares, though, right? That that argument. I mean, well, th that's the way that people justify it to themselves, right? Is that nobody is actually watching. So, yeah. it, does, so it, it doesn't really matter until somebody does. Right. Which, assuming they can. So. So that's like the old. That's like the old saying. They came for these. This said this certain group. Nobody said anything. I didn't say anything. Right. Then yeah. they came for this certain group, and I didn't say anything. Yeah. And then they came for me. Yeah. And who was there to speak for me? You know, I I can tell you, I'm 61 years old. I've got one more year. I can take an early retirement. I can apply for my early retirement. February 18th. I don't think we want to get separated from. I'm not here for me. I'm just about done with this stuff. I'm here for the future guys. I heard a lot of that sentiment over my few days there. Likewise, from those hauling in trucks that will be exempt from the mandate in perpetuity, units powered by pre-2000 model year engines. A change FMCSA made this summer from determining the exemption by the chassis model year. We've got a feature that gets into the weeds of that change coming up in the November issue, FYI. Owner operator Buck Hartley currently isn't one of those with an exempt truck. But as you'll hear in our conversation, recorded after day one of his participation in the ELD protests events, he's looking at potentially going that route. Uh, Buck Hartley, Wagner, Oklahoma. And t tell me about the operation. Uh, been driving for 27 years, owner operator since 2009. Okay. It's fully independent? Yes, sir. I remember that right? Yeah. It's a Kenworth uh, T660. Okay. 2009. Okay. So you, did you buy it new? No, I bought it used. Okay. 
So how did you get involved with the ELD or me and the, and the, other, the other efforts here? Uh, it's more, I don't like the control of the government. I mean, hours of service already took away to where, you, you know, they got you on a 14-hour clock. Yeah. Before you get tired, you pull over, take a nap, whatever you count against you. Right, right. Then they went with the LED. They were taking more control away from us, um, making it more unsafe, for, forcing us more to, to drive when we're tired when we're not. Sure. I mean, how'd you, how'd you hear about this group? How'd you get involved in this? In this group? Yeah, yeah. On Facebook. Okay. Um, I come across it on Facebook and I kind of read about the group. Sure. It's like, all right, this might be a good group to, to see if I can join in. Sure, sure. And help them fight a cause that I believe needs to go. Have you have you um, done this kind of thing before? Are you come to come to Washington to talk to your representatives or no, sir, this talking to your talking to your local representatives and things um, of that nature? Are you involved this, politically in that way? Not so much. Not so um, much. Okay. I, I did reach out to the ones in Oklahoma through OIDA, sure, uh, to their website and sure. just. Know, like everybody else, just basic responses. Sure, sure. Yeah. You get the kind of form letter responses, or, yeah. you know, the kind of canned responses. <laughs> I mean, I know they, I don't know if they really want to try to help or not. Um, the, 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 what I'm getting is, okay, the, the LEDs there, there's nothing, they feel that there's nothing. The LEDs they can do nothing about. Right, and there is. They just need to step up. Yeah, I mean, there's always something they can do. Sure. <laughs> right. It just takes the weight of uh, pressure and persuasion, I suppose. I mean, we're out here That's doing what we're something. doing, yeah. Hartley's first day had been spent with the ELD or me group, during which members posted up outside the House Rayburn office building with protest signs and plenty of conversation for curious House reps and staffers, among other meetings inside. Have, in had out. a lot of positive feedback. Okay. I mean, they're, they're behind us. Um, we're making people more aware of what's going on. They're asking more questions, sure. and they believe what we are representing, they're all for. I mean, they, they, they want to back us. That's what you've heard so far. So far. Yeah. No, no one's been negative to us at all. Right, right. You guys have been specifically talking about the, the standalone ELD delay bill, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. Well, that should be interesting. Um, tell me about um, what. You're married, kids? Uh, divorced. Divorced? Twice, twice over. Okay. Um, got two grand boys. Okay. They live up in Colorado. Okay. Uh, my sisters, well, basically all my family still live in Colorado. Oh, okay. Um, Is that where you grew up? Yes, sir. Born and raised up there. Moved to Oklahoma in 2003. Okay. That's when I was married. Uh, her folks lived down there. Okay. Uh, my mom and grandma moved down. Oklahoma. Uh, grandma since passed, but my mom lives with me. Um, I kind of have her hold down the fort while I'm out on the road. Okay. Sure. How do your runs go typically? Or is there no typical to it? There's no <laughs> typical. Uh, my main customer I deal with is Park Hill Plants out of Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Okay. I uh, deliver plants to nursery kind of stuff? Uh, uh, I, we load at the nursery, deliver to stores. Okay, 
um, Costco's, Home Depot's, Walmart's, big stores, yeah. yeah. Directly to the stores. Um, There's a lot of that in the sort of middle Tennessee. I've talked to a lot of guys that do that kind of work, uh, yeah, Big Menville and stuff. Yeah, we bring stuff out of Tennessee up okay. there too. Okay. Um, all over, actually, all over the country. I brought some trees out of Oregon in Oklahoma okay. for the same nursery. Uh, if they're not keeping me busy, then I fall back on shopping carts, same deal. Sure. Also goes to stores. That's how, what I brought into D.C. this trip, the shopping cart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just kind of variety. I mean, whatever I can get my hands on, while my main customer just business and deal, I, I kind of venture out. Now you told me this was uh, your first time into actual, actually into D.C. as a trucker, is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah. With hey. the truck yesterday when you <laughs> delivered, right? Yeah. yeah, usually, you know, coming through, you just take the beltway. Yeah. I, I had no business being down here, but it was, it was interesting. Yeah. Where was the delivery location? Seventh Street Northwest. Okay. Uh, it's a giant grocery store. Oh, okay. So it was an actual, actual grocery store? Yes, sir. Okay. That's cool. A truckload of shopping carts? Yes, sir. 250 Was it full? Yes, sir. Uh, pretty much? Wow. Yeah, 250 shopping carts they got. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of carts. Must be a big store. <laughs> it didn't look very big, to be honest. Yeah. But we had to go down underground. Uh, oh, okay. There's a docks, but um, they said, you know, like I told them, I said, man, that's a lot of shopping carts. Said, sure. Yeah. People keep stealing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that happens. To get back to the subject at hand, I asked Hartley what his plans were when the ELD mandate enforcement date came around in December. His 2009 truck isn't a glider with a pre-2000 engine in it. I'm looking at an older truck as he speeds. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Where is it? It's in Oklahoma. Okay. Um, Private party kind of sale. Well, uh, the bank had it. Okay. Under a repo. Um, the the gentleman with the bank at channel and it's supposed to be calling me and set up a bunch of kind of me. Uh, looking at the pictures, it's awful rough. Real rough. How, what's the year? It's uh, uh, 94 Peterbilt, 379. Is that an electronic engine? Or? No. No, it's just pulling the camera? Yeah. So, kind of, I don't know. They're only asking five for it, but it's going to take probably could take $20,000 worth of work to get Easily, it. Easily, yeah. yeah. That's what I've heard from a lot of people that are but thinking to, about going that route. You know, I mean, the long run, I'll be making money having that truck, so right. it'll pay for itself eventually. That brings to mind the words of Missouri-based owner-operator Tim Klaus, owner of a 1990s International as well as a Freightliner of similar vintage, who suggested those operating a truck of such age in order to get necessary utilization of the unit, have not one, two, to, one to run and one for a spare. And maybe even a third for parts if you can afford to store it. I also talked to West Virginia-based owner-operator John Legg at the end of that first day, whose principal concerns with ELDs had to do with discomfort giving access to sensitive information to unvetted third-party ELD providers, among others. But I had a driver, Miss Peterbilt, I was the least admiral merchants out in okay. Minnesota, and he couldn't do a lot of it. He couldn't comprehend it. So he said, John, how about the only way you can keep this driver? Good driver, excellent. Safety, perfect. He says, let us put an ELD in that truck. He said, we want to do a study and see which one we want to use. So I volunteered, and I let him put the ELD in that truck. Right. But for him to put that ELD into his truck, he had to enter his social security number, 
on his driver's license. Now let me ask you a question. You, I'm asking you a question. I can go to the Ford dealer right now with your social security number, driver's license, if you have good credit, and buy me a brand new car. <laughs> and? You probably can, that's right. And they're not certified. I mean, I just thought I just thought of this today because to me this is totally a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was hackable because the University of Michigan done studies and they are hackable. But you know the information that um, the information that you're programming into the the software that you're using. I mean, it ha to get access to it, you're going to need more than just the the hardware. You know what I mean? Uh, if I have a Qualcomm device and you work for Qualcomm, well, yeah, if you got can one of you those. access my Pro information? I don't know, but probably, yeah. So do you think it'd be fair if we do this for me to be able to see a background check on everybody that works for that company? Right, right. Uh, I get that. I understand it. The point Did is, the FMCSA certify that Qualcomm device? Do you know how many devices they have certified? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's certified by the manufacturer. Right. But how many have the FMCSA certified? Yeah. If you want me to run that, I'm more willing to. I can adjust it to my business. Make sure it's not going to hurt forty thousand dollars. I just put that motor. Make sure that six hundred dollar machine's not going to hurt my motor. Vet it, certify it, test it. Because I can run one in my operation. You've done I, it. I, I mean, I don't cheat. I don't cheat on my log. I'm a lazy driver. I mean, I run maybe 3,000 miles every other week. But test it, certify it, vet it, and then make a mandate that I have to plug it into my truck. Leg was planning to meet with his reps and senators the following day and, like Riley Clay, hoped he could persuade them of the need for a delay to the ELD mandate. Owner of a non-ELD exempt power unit, Leg says that provided the ELD mandate continues on the current track and goes into effect in December, he'll keep trucking, but I'll also keep fighting for what is right, he says. On day two of the ELD protests, October 4th, I rolled into D.C. to find Operation Black and Blue had placed around 20 power units at the headquarters of the D Department of Transportation to occupy much of the available paid street parking, giving DOT visitors a bit of a taste of what it's like to pull off the highway with a tractor trailer in most spots around the U.S., Anytime after 5 p.m. local time, anyway. Among those on hand was Garland, Texas based owner operator Doug Viel, whose GOATS Transportation 2014 Freightliner Cascadia was positioned prominently, just ahead of the spot where a couple different black and blue participants took turns brandishing a megaphone pointed up toward FMCSA offices at the top of the building. You've got to have rules and regs in some form or fashion, Viel said, yet, he was of no doubt that the hours of service was a rag that needed revision before any ELD mandate should even have been talked about. My name is Doug Viel. Okay. I'm the owner of Goats Transport LLC out of Garland, Texas. Okay. And just one truck, right? One truck, yes. Pull drive-in trailers. You got your, uh, is it a Freightliner I saw over there? Freightliner, yes. Freightliner Cascadia 2014. Parked out right out front of the uh, U.S. Department of Transportation here in Washington D.C. on uh, on Wednesday, the fourth of October, and uh, you know I just I was interested to hear you know how you became involved with this uh, the effort and um, and uh, you know and why. Well, uh, a friend of mine uh, from uh, another group, Extreme Trucking Information, uh, turned me on to this group and and. 
put me in the group and I've been in the group ever since. Okay. And it's been a couple a couple months ago, maybe three. Okay. And when when did you when did you arrive uh, here in, in uh... Well I arrived in um, Leesport, Pennsylvania okay. Saturday morning. Okay. And then we left from there and came down here together uh, Sunday night, if I remember correctly. Okay. Sunday night, and then uh, so you were up there at that the event up in uh, in Leesport was the Big Rig Rendezvous, right? That's correct. Uh, how was that? Was that a, a fruitful? Uh, I days? thought it was. I thought okay. it really was. Okay. I mean, what, uh, they, what, what all they, went on? Well, um, the big thing is they formed a uh, motor carriers council okay. uh, which was formed to protect the rights of truck drivers okay. and yeah. to institute safety standards for, for training because okay. as it is I don't really know if there's any minimum standards or not but if there are they're very minimal okay. and so we'd like to get better training for new new drivers sure and one of my big issues with the way they do it now yeah is so many of the schools are certified to do their own testing yeah, okay. and i think that invites corruption okay. the testing still the state officials still need to be in charge of the testing you okay. need to take your test through the state All the right. school shouldn't be able to to, yeah. edu to educate you graduate you and then say so you pass the test yeah yeah it sort of invites uh Invites kind of rubber stamping people through the system. Exactly, sort of exactly. The United Motor Carrier Council VL spoke of is another aspect of the ELD protests that we'll no doubt hear more about in the future. I spoke to another owner-operator, Pennsylvania-based Mike Landis, who was at the Leesport Big Rig Rendezvous truck show at the Redding County Fairgrounds. He and Mentu Pander both spoke highly of the gathering, which preceded the D.C. protests and gathered together many of the protest participants. The UMCC, the Motor Carrier Council, as VL, VL said, will be another organiza advocacy organization centered around driver's rights. Like I said, more on that story later. For now, we'll wrap up with Clark Farms livestock hauler Wayne Clark, who missed the Leesport event, but was also part of Operation Black and Blue's occupation, if you will, of parking around the dot building the Wednesday of the protest, which continued there and at the Capitol and elsewhere the following day. Then behind the White House that Friday. Wayne Clark also speaks to the commitment participants in the efforts put in. It was no small expense to take the truck to D.C. to utilize in the effort. More of your messages into our podcast line from the week of October 3rd round out this week's edition of Overdrive Radio. Uh, Wayne Clark from Equipment, Arkansas. And uh, you operate under the Clark Farms uh, a name, business name, right? Yes, sir. And fully independent? Yes, sir. And, you know, tell me a little bit about uh, you know uh, what you do in trucking. I know you you kind of split between livestock and um, farm and hauling. Yeah. Yes. Tell me tell me a little bit about that. How how, how much do you haul typically? Uh, uh, just a couple loads a week. I'm, okay. I mean 600, 600 miles on one, 300 miles on another. Okay. How, when did you get involved with uh, with Operation Black and Blue and these efforts here? Just when I saw that they was coming down here to try to protest this thing and, and it's more than just the electronic logs it's the 14 hour rule the split sleeper birth rule sure see i even tried last summer i hooked up a team operation and hired a buddy of mine to run team with me okay and even the way the slip, split sleeper birth is i couldn't do it safely because 
at 75 miles an hour bouncing down the road, you're only going to sleep four or five hours at a time. Yeah, it's hard to get any more than that, right? Yeah, so you, you sleep four or five, and then you're sitting there bouncing around for six, and then you got to get up and try to drive 11. Yeah. So if it goes back to the way it was before 2003, you can drive five on, five off, five on, five off, right. and just never have a problem. People always talk about the cumulative effects of doing that for a long period of time, but it's not like people do that for the for their entire lives. Everybody takes a break at some point, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, it's, yes, sir. It's, I, uh, I understand that, but you know, but look at what it's done when you try to follow the rules, and then you can only yeah. sleep for. I mean, tell them to run their sleep test when you're bouncing across the, an interstate. This high off the mattress every right. five times a mile. They're not going to sleep more than four or five hours. It's pretty rough roads out there. <laughs> I didn't get here till three o'clock yesterday. Okay, so you made it in just just in time for this. Yes. Nice. I dead it out, dead it and back. Just yep. So I'm out. I'm out over a thousand dollars in fuel, plus expenses out here. Just sure. It's just expensive to, to do this. Just to yeah. show up. It's just some commitment. Um. Dallas Lundley, Sydney, Nebraska. ELDs are the ruination of the trucking industry. Mike Mayer calling from Wisconsin, and I am totally in support of the attempt at delaying the inception of the ELD devices, strictly due to the fact it's creating more unsafe activity than anything along the lines of safety, especially with the 14-hour rule. Please. Somebody hear us. Yeah, my name's Bill, Bill Roberts, and uh, I've been an owner-operator 38 years, and uh, I feel that the, uh, I'm against the ELD. I mean, uh, I think they should go back to the old 10 and 8 log, and, you know, uh, you ought to be able to log sleeper berth if you're tired. You should be able to stop and take a nap, and it shouldn't cut into your clock. And uh, this 14-hour clock, it's a, it hasn't worked out, and that's why they're trying to go to the CLD. They think that's the answer, but the, the whole change of the rule to begin with, they should have left the logbook the way it was. But uh, I don't think we need to. People that don't understand the business don't don't need to be monitoring, you know, what we're doing, and they don't understand how the whole thing works. If you're tired, and you uh, been sitting somewhere, and you you can't get loaded for four or five hours, and you should be able to get in your sleeper, and it shouldn't count as to as the on duty, you, you should be able to stop your clock and then you can take off and finish up your 10 hours for the day and that'll go take your eight hour break. But. Messina Olguin, R&M Transportation, San Elizario, Texas. We are backing the no ELD movement 100%. Our truck has been sat for a week and a half now and is gonna sit until after October 7th. I've seen my town of El Paso, Texas. I didn't notice very many trucks today, which is October 3rd. Usually the trucker lane, what I call on the freeway, is jam-packed to trucks. I did not see that today. I am 100% backing this no ELD mandate. It's not safe. Um, it's going to ruin many lives, especially mom and pops trucking companies, owner-operators, uh, whatever you can do, help us out. Thanks. Yes, uh, name's Len Wilkinson. I'm just calling to say I'm supporting delaying the ELDs. Uh, uh, 
I'm an independent owner-operator, been out here about 25 years, and uh, I think uh, it's time somebody started speaking up for the independent truck drivers and the expenses we incur. And to me, the DLD mandate's just another expense that we really can't afford among that and what they've done with the uh, exhaust emissions of controls and the cost you can't afford to buy a new truck because the average guy can't run on it. What they charge for a new truck with the new exhaust systems and the maintenance and repair is it's just uh, you know it costs about five thousand dollars to replace a complete exhaust system on one of those new blue depth trucks. And now they want us to have electronics that we can't afford. And uh, I just think it's time somebody starts looking out for the little guy. These big companies they they can afford to take on all this new expense. It's driving us out of business, but they're going to find out one day that a lot of these independents out here take up a lot of slack. There's still a lot of guys out here running on their own, especially in the food industry, and they want something in a hurry. But, uh, I'm not driving this week, so I hope they get have some success up there at the Capitol. Rogelio Romero from Fresno, California. The truck driver from California, and I support all these guys going to Washington, D.C., because LED is not good for the industry. Thank you. Hello, my name is Chris Hudson. I'm from Carver, North Carolina. Uh, I'm against the LED uh, mandate laws because it's going to cut me short of, of a couple trips a week. It'll cut about three or $400 a week out of my paycheck. Uh, the, the government just don't care, and it's just a way to keep track of us. And I think it's a it's a safety issue because because back the way the logs are now, you paper logs. If we need to lay down, and take a nap, we can we can do so under these new new laws, LED LED logs. We are forced to drive whether we sleep or not because both got to get there and we ain't got 14 hours to do it in. I think it's pushing us. I think it's unfair, and I think Congress needs to sit back and rethink how, how it's going to affect the nation. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you. My name is Linda Clifton, and I'm from Lenore City, Tennessee. I drive a company truck, but I am shut down, and I have no ELD for me and the American flag flying on my truck and trailer sitting here in front of my house. Thank you so much. God bless America.